1: Welcome back to Cats Coverage on the Field of 68 Network. Uh, I'm here with my uh, co-host Michael Epps and producer Tim. Guys, how are you all doing? You know, fresh off a win, Michael. How are you, man?
2: Producer Tim, what up? No, I'm good, man. I had, a, had a good time. Um, I didn't go down to Philly, which I was bummed about. I kind of wanted to, but uh, ended up staying here. Had a little little friends gathering. Uh, now I'm going down to Atlanta for a CBS Sports Classic, which is going to be fun, man. Cats and heels, Tar Heels. I'm excited about this one, man. I'm Tom College Basketball. Tim, how you doing, man?
3: Doing good, doing good. Just been enjoying the holidays, getting ready for Christmas. Really wish I could make that trip down there to Atlanta. It's going to be a fun one, I bet. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Kentucky fans are going to pack out Atlanta. Like you said, Catlanta. Kentucky fans just absolutely take over that town, especially now that we've got primetime college basketball. You know, it's not felt like this in a long time. If we've had these big matchups, we probably weren't really confident in Kentucky. Uh, this year, it seems like a, a, it could be a big statement win to go down there against uh, number nine ranked North Carolina, I believe. Yeah. Uh, So that'd be another big matchup. They came close to Kansas and just a little too short on that one. So they can get a top 10 win to add against the Miami win. You know, that'd be nice as well, especially come March when we expect them to have a probably deep run this year. At least I hope it's looking like it. But they are fresh off a win over Penn and Philly. Uh, They won by 15. It was 81 to 66, if I remember that correctly. Um, It wasn't the Aaron Bradshaw debut, it was his second game back, but it sure felt like his debut. You know, I think he had an impressive performance. I, I know I didn't expect him to put up that, that stat line of 17 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks, and he stepped out and made the three-point jumper. Uh, so that's always exciting to see. You know, Cal never lets the big guys shoot ever. You know, he's let Trey Mitchell have a pretty deep leash this year, thankfully, because the guys are making it. So now that you have a three-pointer that can – um go out there and step out and make the three-point shot. That's exciting. It opens up the game way more, especially what we've seen with this team here. This team is everybody's a threat out pretty much anywhere on the court. So it's exciting, exciting basketball. Uh Michael, to pass it on to you, what'd you think of the pin game in a quick
2: synopsis and the Aaron Bradshaw show that we got to see? Yeah, man, Bradshaw was good. I'll be honest. I mean, we were talking on the previous pods and I was like, hey, man, i I don't know what to expect from these bigs when they come back. I mean, who knows? Let's, like, tame our expectations a little bit. I mean, Bradshaw, we know he's a five-star. We know he's big time. We know his highlight tape is awesome. But you never know what he's going to look like when he actually gets out there. It could take him a while to get adjusted. He gets three points in that debut. It's like, okay, first game. Then, I mean, 17-11, man. And I, I noticed in that Penn game while I was watching, it was like, Yeah, he didn't score a lot, and he didn't make a ton of big plays. He was in pretty good position on box outs. You know, he knew where to be, which is all instinct, right? But first game back, he was in good position on box outs, getting a chance to get rebounds. And so I asked him about that uh, last week. I was like, hey, you were in good position on box outs. What's the mentality like for rebounding? He's like, man, just got to go attack. Got to go attack the basketball. Go ahead and grab it. And same thing on defense. Just attack the defender, get up, get in his face, and try to go out there and get blocks. And he did. I don't know how many he got, but I mean he got at least a couple. He was how many yeah, three. yeah, I mean, he was good and eleven boards is great. So 29 minutes is good too. And that also brings down Trey's, you know, workload. You know, he he still played 36 minutes, but uh four points, nine boards for Trey. So that's pretty good. And it's nice to just have a couple bigs out there. And now you got maybe you you know you got Hugo coming back maybe on Saturday so it's good to see another piece get added and start to see this thing come together
1: yeah it helps when you're seven foot too uh so that's uh, that's always good um I did like the part that you brought up because Cal mentioned this uh the other night he said in his post game right after the game in his post game comments he said you know it takes off a lot of the load for Trey Mitchell you know Trey Mitchell was pretty much the, the only big guy we had for most of the season up to now and it was more of like you know, you got five fouls. If you go out of the game, this thing crumbles most likely down in the post. We need you to, you know, you kind of have to manage that a little bit for if you're Trey. Um, a lot of those rebounding are expected on you. The rebounding, uh, the protecting the rim, all that. And now it's it's divided between two people. It allows trade to be a little bit more free, a little more aggressive, maybe shooting. A lot of more things rather than just I've got to get all of our rebounds, protect the rim and it's all on me. And I've got to manage to stay in this game as well uh tim let's get your thoughts what you, do you think about aaron brashaw you know it's kind of his unofficial debut his second game back but a breakout performance for sure
3: yeah it was definitely a breakout performance he went from i just saw it was 13 minutes versus unc williamton and he doubled his minutes uh for this game he really really showed out uh you know of course can't really show what you're what you're capable of capable of in 13 minutes uh but he really really showed out um For for that game and i think was that kind of his hometown homecoming game as well yeah he
1: i forget how far camden is away i think that's actually new jersey but they were all i mean it's it's right an hour and a half or something like that away like that was like you know if i can put it i'm an analogy type of guy that's like if you play out in california and then you know you're from kentucky you go play down and maybe like Tennessee or like Columbus, Ohio, or something. Maybe not that far, but a little closer than that. But um it, like it maybe Indianapolis for Kentucky or something. Like you're just right down the road compared to being down here in Kentucky. They were close. And that I definitely would consider that their homecoming game for sure. Like you are correct on that. For him, DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards. Justin Edwards is from Philly. Um Adu The Arrow was they said he was from the other side of Pennsylvania, so it wasn't really a homecoming game for him, but he was from that state as well. So overall, St. Colin that a homecoming game is correct for a bunch of this uh, team
3: yeah but Um, it was awesome it was awesome i'm excited to watch him play and uh i mean i wouldn't say he was uncomfortable really versus unc williamton it was more i mean that was his very first debut so it's kind of sort of expected in a way um but um i was gonna say something else about the unc williamton game but i just totally blanked on what it was gonna be we kind of, kind of smoothly transitioned
1: him into it. you know. I think he played yeah. a little bit more than we probably would have expected, at least more than I would have expected. I thought he would have had less than 10 minutes against UNC Wilmington. I think you just said he had 13 or so. So mm-hmm. I think he had two or three stints in that game where he came in for a couple minutes, and I think he was doing good in the second half, so they just kept him in a little bit longer. Um, so I definitely didn't expect that. But, you know, he finished in this game. He finished with a game high, 17 points, along with Rob Dillingham off the bench, 17 points. That's another thing I want to get into. It's like – um, the field of sixty-eight. Uh, John Fanta, I believe that's his name. If I'm not butchering that, he writes for them and covers them as well. And he put out his top ten freshmen uh, in the country, and Reed Shepard was number one, and Rob Dillingham was number four. And my big takeaway from that is like, those are on Kentucky's bench, right? Like those are on, off of Kentucky's bench. They don't even start for us, which is fine. I'm not arguing that. But like we have that on our bench, like. You know, in terms of how deep this team is, you have Rob Dillingham and, and Reed Shepard right off the bench. that come in two or three minutes in the game. You know, it's so exciting, especially I'm glad the rest of the country is starting to realize that. Um, same as with the Reed Shepard top 10 NBA draft pick projections. Like, y'all want to get into that a little bit? Like, what? Like, I would never in my wildest dreams thought that that would even be a case. And it's only the middle of December. I'm not saying I, I really, I'm buying it just yet, but like to even be first round projection in the conversation of that right now, like what's going on. This is crazy. Reed Shepard is having a freshman breakout year and I'm just, I'm amazed by it. What's what's y'all's thoughts on a uh, top 10 draft pick Reed Shepard after his freshman year?
2: Uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's calm down a little bit. I mean, we were saying this on the last pod. It's like, you know, we didn't do one last week, but, um, uh the two weeks ago, everyone was falling in love with this guy, you know, after the Miami game, it's like, hold on. Like, let's slow down a little bit. And then it, and then the last two games, he hasn't been great. I mean, six points against Penn. I don't, I don't know what he did against UNCW, but it wasn't much. And um, I mean, I, I like him. I'd like Rob a lot. And I think Bradshaw could definitely get on that list of top 10 freshmen. He could be high on that list because he's just got like an impact on the game. You know, you you know Bradshaw. You know where he is, obviously, because he's seven feet tall. But you just know where he is on the floor at all times because he's making an impact everywhere. You know, with his rebounding defense and he can score the basketball. So I think he'll get up higher on that list. I don't know if Reed should be number one. I honestly would probably put. I don't know. I I might put Rob ahead of Reed. Um, it really doesn't matter. But I I might put Rob ahead of Reed at this point on that list. But um, I, I think it's exciting either way to have him on the bench, but I hope DJ kind of creates more buzz. And now that he's coming back, he, he had a good presence out there, you know, facilitating seven assists. That's great. Uh, had that big three late later in the you know middle in the second half. That was a huge bucket to kind of hold off that UNCW run. And then Reeves hit that three to kind of seal or a uh, pen run. And then Reeves hit that three to kind of, you know, finish off pen with Like seven minutes left, I think so. It it's exciting, but I, I we we should slow down a little bit. I don't know if this guy's going top ten. I mean, NBA teams are going to like him, but he's he needs another year, I think. You think? Oh, okay.
1: I see. Ah. I, I'm I don't think he needs to be top ten for sure, but I I could see both ways. But but are you pretty stuck on a second year for Recheper? Like for sure? I'm not saying I disagree, but like I I, I could see late first round. But you know we have a small sample size to go off of as well. It could.
2: I would could. Need, yeah, I would need to see it like in March. You know, I want to see it against against the SEC. You know, the SEC grind. You know, That's I want to see it. I want to see it in March. If they make it to the Final Four and Reed puts up multiple double-digit scoring games, shows off his defense in the tournament on that stage with that pressure, then I'll buy it. But I mean really really, but I i mean fans can dream right and that's it really doesn't matter at this point right now um it's a nice discussion topic but it's just good that it's a topic right it's good that he is making such an impact right away and um you know I still want to see more more of Edwards he only played 14 minutes you know that's surprising but I'm, I still want to see more from him I, I still feel like his ceiling is nowhere close yeah I feel like we we've kind of seen what Reed's ceiling is, you know, that Miami game was awesome. You know, that's kind of what you expect. I still need to see a lot of growth and, and, you know, potential from Edwards and Wagner. Yeah.
1: Well, we got DJ Wagner back. Like you mentioned this game, he had a team high seven assist Um, Cal came to him and said, you're going to start this game, you know, fresh off an injury. I think Tom Leach even said he didn't practice till Friday. Um, So he just practiced, you know, hasn't been practicing with the team this week coming off his injury. Um, and he, one thing that I thought was cool in and Cal's uh, Monday call-in show is he said that when he came up to him right before the game, he said, DJ, you're you're starting again. And he said, he's like, no, no, I'm cool with Reed starting. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, earlier a few weeks ago, DJ said, we've got, I think he said, there's no such thing as starters on this team. And he was very valid on that. But a lot of times it's like player, you know, coach speak, player speak, like they're just all being teammates. But I feel like most of those guys, they want to start. Everybody wants to start. Um, and I think that, I think I, he doubled down on it. So now I really do believe him. He was just kind of like, no, Reed, I want Reed, Reed. I'm cool with Reed starting and cows, you know, I'm going with you, but it's cool that there's unselfish ball on this team. A, a group of guys that really like each other. Um, and another thing is I always, I wondered how Aaron Bradshaw would, how it would affect the team when he, he got back um, after their loss to the UNC Wellington, I asked all three players that, and they all had the exact same answer. They were like, He provides a lob threat and I think it will only be nothing but better. He won't change us in any negative way at all. And it was all unplanned. Uh, Like they all had that mindset and I was like, okay, so that, you know, you can get a good gauge for it. Like he's in practice, things are getting better and and it played out that way. He was a phenomenal foreman and and they just it opened up this team. I didn't really see any negatives with it at all. Like, to be honest with you, this seems a a a totally different team now with him back. So excited to see that we've got DJ back. Um, And then next week, we look to North Carolina. Um, Like we had just mentioned, North Carolina's ranked top 10. I think we're ranked 14th now. Field of 68's got us 12th. Um, So, you know, we're climbing up that pole again after kind of a bounce back fluke loss at UNC Wilmington. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, North Carolina's 7 2 as well. They've got a win over Villanova, I believe. No, I think they. They, I can't remember if they lost or beat Villanova. It was a close game. They won at they beat Arkansas, they beat they lost to top five. You said what was it?
2: They beat Tennessee, right?
1: Beat number 12, Tennessee. Yes, so they got a couple of good wins under their belt. Um, you know, I I don't know how good this North Carolina team is. Can't say I've watched a a whole lot of them this year, but it's going to be an exciting matchup, anyways. You know, they're going to get up for it just like we are. Um, so what's your all's thoughts on you said you're making the trip down there. uh what, what things are you looking forward to as we face, you know, another blue blood uh, historic matchup. These games are usually are
2: pretty good when it goes to Kentucky, North Carolina. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. They yeah, they lost to Villanova by two and lost then UConn Yukon the- by nine, which was last Tuesday. So they got a long break until this game. That's eleven days. Um oh. that Baycott Bradshaw matchup, man. I mean, we we talked about it. I don't know how that would look if Trey was going up against him and he'll have to at some points, you know, Bradshaw's not in the game, but man, that Bradshaw, Baycott, that's going to be sweet. I think that's going to be a really entertaining matchup. Uh, You know, Bradshaw's going to have to be smart. You know, he's young. Uh, Baycott's experienced He he knows some tricks to get, get some fouls drawn Uh, and he's a really good free throw shooter too, which uh, I forgot about Baycott is. So that's, that's a big time, big time matchup for those, for those bigs. I mean, you know, they're saying, you know, they're saying you going to maybe come back if I don't see him playing that many minutes. I mean, he, he, he'd get eaten alive by Baycott probably, but, um, so that'll be a fun matchup. And then, um, you know, i like, I feel like UNC has got some talent on the outside, but not as much as they like normally do. Um, you know, RJ Davis is the real deal, but, um i i don't i don't love what they have for weapons outside of baycott so i feel like kentucky's got a good shot to just just have more talent out there on the floor and you know kind of just score more but um you know i i think baycott could really slow that game down and, and the rest of the guys with defense is going to be important baycott is like that like their version of
1: officer shibwe the big shoulder guys can get his boards and push you out of the way and I kind of wonder how much if he's – I don't think he's going to throw him around, but how much he's going to kind of hip him out of the way with his hips and push him around a little bit. Um, I know we've seen a dude the arrow kind of get his minutes taken away a little bit with Bradshaw coming back. Um,
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
1: I wonder how that works. I would think if you want somebody's going to bang with him in the post, you, you throw a dude down there a little bit, just a, you know, a little five minute spurt spur to give him some I mean, do you think he'll play a lot more than this? This last game, I know you you want Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell, but they could do.
2: Yeah. A dude's got no shot on Baycott, in my opinion. I don't, I don't see him holding up at all. I mean, Baycott's huge. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got. I mean, he's probably got forty pounds, uh, maybe not forty pounds, but he could have forty pounds on on yeah. a uh, So I don't, I don't think there's a shot there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start Bradshaw. I mean. You can start Bradshaw and Trey, but they I don't know what he's gonna do. He'll probably still start a do and but and then Trey will have to you know hold his own. Bradshaw's gonna come in really quick i I don't know how how quick did he come in last game um at Bradshaw Bradshaw. I'm actually not sure. I mean it was oh, think was probably pretty thing. quick that he it was pretty quick was it yeah minutes. so I mean he'll. He'll quickly get in the game, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. I I think you you can definitely move a dude to the bench uh, and start Bradshaw and Trey, but it doesn't really matter, but because yeah. he's gonna be really quick.
1: I think you still beat him with your guard play. That's where it kind of like that's how I was kind of saying in the Kansas game. We didn't expect that guy for Kansas, the, their guard to go off. The guy who does has done nothing all season but that game, Harris or whatever his name is.
4: But yeah, I
2: think,
1: yeah, I think it's the same as this game. You you beat them with your guard play. Way more talented with our guard play, and I, I'm confident with the Trey Mitchell, Aaron Bradshaw. They'll hold their own against Baycott. You know, two versus one. I think you do play them both as much as you can. Um, uh, so yeah, your guard play. I, I we need something from Justin Edwards. I want to see this guy get up for a big game. We didn't see DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards get up a whole lot for Kansas. We had to rely on our other guys. You know, this is another prime time game. We, You know, we need – we don't need – I shouldn't say need, but I, I want D.J. Wagner and Justin Edwards to get up for this game, and I think D.J. Wagner definitely will. But I don't want us to have to rely on a Reed Shepard going for 15 or 20, Dellingham for 15. I mean, I want that to be there, but we shouldn't have that. You know, we need our, our starting five and our our guys, our go-to's guys getting up for this one. So that's kind of my wish list for this game. But, Michael, I know you are about to hop on a show. I did want to get one more thought out of you, uh, uh, one more takeaway. What did you think on the new court design? I can definitely give you some time time to think about it. I am obsessed with it. It's like a 100 out of 10. Um, I I was there for the unc Wellington game when they debuted it. Um, Everybody – I talked to about 15-plus people – around that who was there at the at the arena and it was all yes 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 like no complaints at all I'm obsessed with it I I love it I love the Kentucky logo I was hyped on it before they did it but when I saw it in person I can just say it It, I went back and watched the game on TV it looked pretty good but in person it it totally the whole new world amazing you've got to get there and rub for anyone that hasn't and check it out what's your thoughts on uh, Michael we'll get your thoughts and Tim what's your thoughts on that after Michael
2: yeah, I like it. I uh, I saw it for the went saw it first for the uh, UK women's game. One of the games I covered there, and yeah, man, they it, it looks good. I like it a lot. It's uh, it pops. It definitely pops the the middle with the with the Kentucky State uh state you know outline. I think is really cool. So yeah, I'm a fan for sure. Tim, what you what you think about it? I know you uh
1: you got to see it as well. What you think about that court design?
2: Yeah,
3: I, I got. I want. I cannot wait to see it in person. But it is just drastically better than what we had previously. It's yeah. it so much better. And I know it's kind of like a common occurrence among the SEC to have the state outline and everything. But I mean, I think we got the best looking state outline possibly out there. So it looks pretty dang good on the court.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, and the hardwood, the 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 hardwood part of it, like the uh, brown part, it's like it's lighter. Uh, it's not as like kind of golden brown, which was fine, but it's a lot lighter now. And the yeah. upper stickers are off. They're off. That's what matters the most. I was more obsessed with that than the state outline. But, you know, that they're off. We're onto new, 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 new paths in a new court. Can I ex- excite things? I hate that we're all in one on it, but I hated the people kind of blaming it on the new court. That's just the complaint. But that it's just. It is what it is. But Michael, uh, I know you've got to jump ship and uh, do your thing in the TV world. Any last words before we let you hop off tonight, man?
2: That's it, man. It's going to be a fun game. I'm excited to cover it. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a big one. They, They want it if they they're going to need it. If they want a one seed, you know, that'll that'll be a little resume boost for sure. Oh, definitely.
1: Well, Michael's going to do his TV thing. We're going to hit a quick ad break. But Michael, thanks for being here. And guys, we'll catch you on the other side of this ad break.
5: As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners, and the viewers on the Field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, Horlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Well,
1: we are back uh, in our third segment of this podcast, and uh, we've been joined by Rob Doster, founder of Field of Sixty Eight. Uh, here with Tim, uh, Michael had to hop off to do his TV show, but uh, we're, we're happy to have you, um, Rob. Thanks for the opportunity of letting us do the Kentucky Basketball Podcast for Girls Network. No, that's a lot to take on, but you know, we were excited to do it and excited to rep Kentucky. Um, how you been, man? Good to get you all on here.
5: Yeah, man, it's uh it's good to have you guys. I'm glad you decided to uh to do this podcast. Um, you know, we needed to have a Kentucky voice in there that's not just uh Jeff Goodman out there hating on everybody from the state of Kentucky. So, um, no, I mean, look, you guys you guys got a team that's fun to watch. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I'm really we're we're recording this on the Tuesday night, uh, before the CBS Sports Classic, and everyone is talking about this Arizona and Purdue game that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, I'm just sitting here pissed that they have the, an hour overlap between that and the Kentucky North Carolina game. You know, I think that those are going to be probably two of the the most exciting games that we're going to get all season long. You know, you didn't have to put them all at the same time. You could have balanced that out a little bit. You know, maybe flex that schedule, maybe move something up a little bit maybe give us a little bit more of a window so we can watch both those things at the same time. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess, right?
1: Exactly. Kentucky's gotten a lot of Friday night games this year, and we normally don't have those. We have Saturday afternoons. So now we've got a Saturday night game, game, which is, I think, the first one we've had all year. So uh, it's, it's exciting to get into uh, North Carolina, you know, top 10 matchup in Atlanta Kentucky usually takes over Atlanta they call it Catlanta I know that's that's the word around the streets here I don't know if you guys it's made up to you all but Catlanta is what they kind of call it so expecting a big turnout down there as well but um you know when we kind of be honest with you uh field of 68 for in in terms of the Kentucky world they you know like you said Jeff Goodman did put a lot of hate on Kentucky a lot (laughs) so they Kentucky fans are kind of like you know there was a bad rep there they're like no they don't like Kentucky at all. And I, you know, they know that we clearly do. And I was like, I, I'm confident we can be, build this bridge and, and make, you know, bring you all back to like, pay attention to field of 68 <laughs> good college basketball content. And we've seen a good turnout from it. Like a lot of those guys are kind of like paying attention to our stuff and they're like, okay, I've kind to kind of back on field of 68. Now they just kind of, they, they see the tweets of like negative Kentucky from Jeff and things like that. And don't truly pay attention to your all's content. So they kind of run away from it but now they've kind of gotten it hey man it's
5: it's awesome. funny you'd be shocked how many um different fan bases i've been told i hate and i dislike i've been told by yukon fans that i hate yukon oh my god i grew up yukon i was five years old wearing a ray allen jersey right like so, <laughs> i've been told by yukon fans that i hate UConn. no it's it's part of it is just it's fun to rile up fan bases like when you're, when you're on, it's fun to troll people sometimes, man. Like it, people overreact to everything and uh, the things that I would say to you as a joke that, that uh, get lost in the context of Twitter sometimes. And and that is, it's enjoyable to, uh, to, to kind of, I don't know, mess around. I mean, it's Twitter, man. It is what it is. Um, but I will, I will tell you this. I, I think that, I think that Kentucky is as surprising as anybody in college basketball this season um, for the simple fact that it seems like they've really embraced this idea of playing four round one. And I know Cal had that uh was it yesterday or, or today that he had the quote where he was basically like we need to figure out how to play two bigs together, which yep. don't do, please. We don't need that. You don't need that. Um but I I think that with how good Reed Shepard has been. And how good Robert Dillingham has been. I think that's kind of been the eye-opener for everybody, right? Because coming into the season, it was it was DJ Wagner was the guy getting all the hype because he's DJ Wagner, right? And it was Aaron Bradshaw. And it was Justin Edwards. And DJ's been good. He's been kind of what we expected more or less, right? He's good, great in flashes, sometimes not so great in flashes, not really shooting at all that well, gets to the rim whatever he wants. Uh, I think Justin Edwards has been a guy that has – not quite lived up to expectations. I don't know if you guys think that that's fair. Um, and then Aaron Bradshaw, obviously, just played two games, right? He was awesome in the second game. He played, like, what, eight minutes in the first game that he played. So, um, But it, it's been those two guards off the bench that have just been eye-opened. Like, I, I don't know if you guys saw this coming for Reed Shepard. I thought he was a good player. I thought he was a guy that would be there for three or four years that would be an all-conference guy by the time that he left. I did not expect him to be – I mean, he's probably going to be a one-and-done at this point, right? Like, that dude's yeah, going to be gone unless, you know, I think there's a real world where uh, a Kentucky kid playing for Kentucky with Kentucky parents is going to be able to make more money in NIL than he would as on a rookie deal as, like, a the number 22 pick in the draft or something like that. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But those two guys off the bench, I mean, I didn't – I don't know if you guys saw that coming from – I did not see that coming from either of them.
1: Well, I think you do have a good read on it. So it was kind of like the DJ DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, what are they going to do here, Justin Edwards. DJ Wagner took a little while to get going. Justin Edwards still hasn't really got going outside of one game. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw just got here. So it is – and to say that you know Reed Shepard and and Rob Dillingham, like they would be – you can argue Reed Shepard's been the best player this year. I would lean to think that he has overall – off the bench, you know, I don't think anyone, anyone saw it flip like that. But um, I did get to catch a lot of Reed Shepard in high school. He is an hour from us here down in uh, Laurel County. Um, I knew he was the best player in the state. He won Mr. Basketball. But I firmly was more on the side of he'll be here for two years. Let's see how that second year goes. Right before he kind of, in his senior year, I was like, okay, maybe he's going to play a lot more at Kentucky than we thought. Then he got in the McDonald's All-American game, then some AAU ball. And I was like, okay, he's going to play like a, a decent amount at Kentucky. But I thought, you know, he'd be that seventh, eighth guy. He's a sixth guy right now. You can, Some argue starting, I don't. But to say, you know, I did not expect him to be Kentucky's arguably best player so far. And he's, I did not surely think he'd be a, a projected first round pick at all. So I am shocked by that. That's kind of.
5: Why, why do you think he, what do you, why do you think he should come off the bench? Like I get the Dillingham off the bench thing because he's, you know he can run really hot and he can run really cold and that kind of instant offense guy off the bench makes sense. Um but I mean Reed Shepard just feels like what with what he could do defensively the way that he could shoot. I'm just curious why you why you like him off the bench.
1: Yeah. I mean I think he could firmly be our point guard for sure. Like I, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I think Cows he's loyal to his people. Um and DJ Wagner is his people. Um and and the narrative of if DJ Wagner, you know projective First pick, top five pick coming to Kentucky. And then he spends the rest of the year pretty quickly coming off the bench. Uh, I just don't think Cal's got the balls to do that. I don't. He's loyal to <laughs> he's loyal to the Wagner family. He's been a Kentucky guy since he was born. Um, and you would think – one would think that with Reed being a Kentucky native – there would be some loyalty there, but Cal's never shown that since he's been here. And honestly, it's been more of a negative to the Kentucky guys, and no one really knows why that is. But he often hates on the Kentucky people. Dante Allen doesn't even compare, but he when he was here, he got a lot of hate. And I think it's Cal just doing it, maybe standing his ground to the fans that kind of he has to deal with, barking at him a bunch. I don't know. That we're just going off of, of dots there, but I think Reed Shepard could be the point guard he has when DJ Wagner's been out. But I just don't think Cal's going to do it. You know the narrative that comes with DJ Wagner going to the bench. I just I just don't see it happening. To be honest with you,
5: yeah, I, I don't. I doubt it would happen either. Um, I would love to see. I would love to see replay full time point guard. I also don't know if that's necessarily the best role for him either. Right? Like I think he is kind of at his best as the secondary guy right now. Um, yeah. If West you look West. at the yeah. If you look at the teams that won the national titles over the course of like the last fifteen years. It, the all of them except for like 2022 Kansas and then 2018 Villanova started two point guards basically right whether it was Shabazz Napier and Ryan Bolt, right whether it was Kemba Walker and Shabazz Napier um whether it was Russ Smith and Peyton Siva whether it was um you know Andre Jackson and um Andre Jackson and uh who am I blanking on Tristan Newton last year for UConn like they just go look through all the lists it was Jared Butler and and Uh, Davion Mitchell, like everybody's got two point guards in those lineups, two playmakers. So I think it's important to have multiple guys that can go out there and create something for you and make something easy for uh, teammates. But I just don't know if like Reed Shepard is the lead guy yet. And I get what you're saying with the Wagners, man. Like how can you – that's a hard thing to do. That'd be a hard thing to do for anybody, right? That'd be a hard thing to do for anybody. And the biggest thing to me is if you look at the minutes that they're playing – like it's, they're basically playing the same number of minutes. It's just one guy gets the title of being the starter and the other guy gets the, the title of coming off the bench. And I don't think Reed Shepard gives a damn where he like where, where his minutes are coming from, right? He's going to be then at the end of the game when it matters and he's going to play the same amount of minutes as a guy that's starting. He just wants to be out there. So it makes sense. I get it. Um, I just want to know, like, at what point in the season do you think it's going to be when he's finally shooting under 50% from three? Like, you think we're going to make it all the way to February where he's still over 50% from three? Like, that's ridiculous, man.
1: You relied not rely on him in the Kansas game. You know, you think it's just been off these smaller opponents. He's he's done it in big games too. DJ Wagner and Justin Edwards didn't do a whole lot against Kansas. Reed Shepard did. So, with the narrative of him just racking up these hat, high stats against these nobody teams, like, that's out. You know, when is he going to cool off? I have no clue. Um and uh, back on your last point is he doesn't he doesn't care if he starts comes off the bench. There was a a pretty big quote when during his recruitment he said I'm just happy to be at Kentucky. I'll go get the water for everybody if that's what I need to do. Those exact <laughs> words. So he he knew coming here. I, I think he understood it's going to be a multi-year thing. I think things have, no one really expected this. Um, So it's kind of been like a better thing that's happened than what they expected. But Reed, you know, talking to him after the games and we've had a lot of media opportunities with him. He is a guy that understands the spotlight, understands the situation and does not care if he's the last guy on the bench. And I, I know there's a lot of, player speak, coach speak, but like, he seems genuine when he says it. And then on the other hand, DJ Wagner says, you know, Cal came to him. He was his first game back. Cal came to him and said, you're starting this game right before. He's like, no, I'm, I'm fine with Reed starting again. You know, he started last game. I didn't practice till yesterday. So I don't think those guys truly care who start, which is a good chemistry to have. But uh, I think if Reed ever was, he would be fully, you know, competent of doing so for sure. He's been, he's been pretty amazing through the uh, nine games so far.
5: Yeah, I I think the big thing is going to be, like, for how good this Kentucky team is. Are they just fun to watch with these really high peaks and these really low valleys? Um, You know, the the win to me, like the win over Miami and then the loss to UNC Wilmington the same week is kind of like what you can kind of see from them. Um, I think the ceiling and the floor, and I think that getting Aaron Bradshaw back is so important because he he raises the floor of what they can be defensively. Right, like uh, as good as um, as good as Trey Mitchell has been he's not like watch him defensively man watch him in ball screens watch how he moves watch how he uh, he goes after the ball like there, there's a level of intensity on that end that you see from someone like an Aaron Bradshaw there's a level of physical skill that you see from someone like an Aaron Bradshaw that just isn't there on that end of the floor with Trey Mitchell and it's like you know, one guy's six nine, one guy's seven foot with a seven foot four, whatever it is, wingspan. One guy is, um, you know, is is kind of like a four man by trade. The other guy is your quintessential small ball, mobile, switching five man, right? That can be a rim protector, that can wall up, that can uh, play the drop coverage, that can do all the stuff you need to do with, with modern defenses. And I think being able to have him come in. And impact the game the way that he did in the pen game is something where it it changes. I don't think it changes what Kentucky's ceiling can be. Yeah, because like when they're at their best, they just they light everybody up, right? Like Aaron Bradshaw's presence isn't gonna change Kentucky at their best. But what it does is it makes them better when they're at their worst. What it does is it makes them better when um you have to rely on getting stops. Like on the nights when they're gonna shoot, you know, eight for 33 from three which is going to happen they're going to be nice when those threes aren't going down you got to be able to win games with your defense too and I don't think that you can do that with Trey Mitchell I think you could do that with Aaron Bradshaw
1: yeah that I mean that happened in the UNC Wilmington game that was their lowest made three pointers they lost so I think it's more of partially of like this team can put up a lot of points and and if the three isn't falling but they do have guards that can go get their points but like they're if they aren't knocking down the three-point shots their ceiling drops a little bit they could they're they're exposed a little bit more but i think with trey mitchell his strengths come more on offense um he can step out and he's hit a pretty consistent three this year mm-hmm. Uh i think yes. trey mitchell, his strength is at defense when trey mitchell's may not be as much um a lot taller more elite uh more promising he had 17 and 11 and then three blocks in his essentially his debut he came back last week but it didn't play a whole lot this game he had a double double he led the team in scoring had three blocks we've not had that shot blocking rim protection presence in a while especially not from this team um I think Trey Mitchell is definitely not that guy to, to handle baycott down low he struggled with Hunter Dickinson I think he did all right better than I thought he would have but he still struggled it's it's two different worlds and I think Aaron Brashaw he does. uh, It changes this team a bunch, Uh, more on the defensive side and the the rim protection. So, you know, we we, we quickly saw the Aaron Bradshaw show, and I just hope that keeps continuing against bigger-name opponents.
5: Yeah, there's not a lot of people out there that are going to do a good job handling Armando Baycott. There's a reason why the dude is like a three-time All-American, especially when you ask a freshman who's who's seven-foot and skinny as hell going in there and trying to deal with a a dude as physical as him. Um, But I do think that it's going to – it'll make – can work a little bit harder, right? I do think that there's something to be said for um, being able to have a little bit more length out there. You know, it, it, Armando Baycott is going to bully whoever you put against them, but when you have someone that can just kind of wall up and, and make it that much harder to shoot over the top of them, it it, it matters. It's gonna there's going to be an impact there. And um, I think the biggest thing is, like I always look for for teams that can make runs, right? You want you I look for the lineup versatility. Right? You look for can they play small if they need to? Can they play basically 4 around one if they need to? If they go up against a team that's got a big, bruising five-man, are they able to deal with that big, bruising five-man? Um, if they're going to go up against someone that wants to play high-low, that wants to play inside, that wants to win by crashing the glass, can they deal with that? They play a team that has little point guards that can get out there and press you and, and keep you out of running your offense. Can you, can you win when you're not able to run your stuff, right? And I think that having Aaron Bradshaw there more than anything else it's just like now you got two big guys right, right? now you don't have to rely entirely on trey mitchell and and, and jordan Brooks, who's been good but like he's jordan burks you know and i think that being able to have the possibility of using those two big lineups is something that will matter at some point in the season right i don't think and i really hope cal doesn't do this and i really hope he doesn't start playing both those guys 35 minutes a game because i think that would ruin like the the vibe that you have with this team, right, and what makes them so good and so much fun to watch. But there are going to be times where you got to roll them out there for 15 or 20 minutes on a given night, right? There's going to be times where you're playing a team that is just pounding you on the defensive glass and on the offensive glass, and you got to have another body out there to be able to help you. There's going to be nights where, like, Justin Edwards doesn't have it. And DJ Wagner doesn't have it, and Rob Dillingham is is having one of his one for nine nights. And you got to be able to go out there and, and win them with a little bit of size and mix things up a little bit. So you got to play the matchup games at times. So I, I think that more than anything else, that's that's kind of what changes Kentucky for me when you have Aaron Bradshaw there. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think going into this North Carolina game, I think the way you really approach North Carolina is you beat them with your guard play. Um, I think it's kind of like. Uh high is their big shoulder bruiser down post guy. I'd like I'm excited to see how Aaron Bradshaw handles that. I still leaning to see unless Aaron Bradshaw just comes out and does something they unexpected. I think he's gonna probably lose that most of the time. I'm pretty confident in that. But Trey Mitchell was for sure losing that. Um, so I think with them coming back, and if you do play them both sometimes, it does take a load off of Trey Mitchell. Of you know, he was the only pretty much big guy we had, Jordan Burks a little bit, but that's not his true position. He just had to do that until Bradshaw got back. Um mm-hmm. I think that takes a little bit off his load. You know, it's like, if, if you're in the mindset of Trey Mitchell before Bradshaw got back, you're like, Hey, I got five fouls. When I'm out, this same collapse, you know, you've got to manage your fouls. you got to be less aggressive. Um, when you got two guys out there, that's, Less you gotta worry about rebounding in terms of all it all being on, on one guy. So I think it takes a little bit off of the grinded out for Trey Mitchell, maybe may make some uh explore other options of being more aggressive in terms of on his side of the court. You know, it helps having both of them back, um, takes less pressure off of both. But who knows? I'm, I'm excited to see Aaron Brash on his length, hopefully in terms of shot blocking, can block more shots on Baycott. I know Baycott's gonna push him around a little bit, but let's hope he protects the rim still. But I still think, you know, you go out and and you beat. North Carolina with your guard play. I think that's Kentucky's strength. They're so deep at that. If 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 DJ and um Justin Edwards aren't falling, you got uh Dillingham and Shepard right off the bench. And they usually come in about three, four minutes after the game starts. So who knows, man? I think that's where you beat North Carolina at for sure.
5: Yeah, and, and I mean look, Carolina's guards, they can they can fill it up. Um uh, uh RJ Davis is he's having an unbelievable season, like a fantastic borderline All-American caliber season. Uh, Elliot Cadeau had a five-game stretch where he had 24 assists and two turnovers in a, the over the course of five games while playing 30 minutes a game as a reclassified freshman. Um, Harrison Ingram looks like McDonald's All-American Harrison Ingram, right? He looks like the five-star recruit that he was coming out of high school. And that is a team that is very similar to Kentucky in the fact that they can put up 80, 90, hundred points on literally anybody. They put up hundred on Tennessee. They scored 62 and a half against Tennessee, right? Nobody scores. like There are teams that don't score 60 in a game against Tennessee. There are teams that score 60 in a game against Tennessee and feel like they ran good offense and North Carolina put up 60 and a half. Um, but they don't really want to guard either. Like that's why this, this Carolina, Kentucky game is going to be so much. You remember like, what was it, 2017, and I think it was out in Vegas when it was the Malik Monk season. It was Malik Monk and Justin Jackson was on North Carolina, and Jackson had 34 or something like that. Malik Monk had, I think he went for 49 or something like that. It was a shootout. 47, 47. It was 103 to 100 in Kentucky 1. Like, that's what we're going to see on Saturday. That's the kind of game that it's going to end up being. So buckle up, bet the over. And uh sit back and enjoy what's gonna be an unbelievable basketball game.
1: Yeah, Rob, while we got you on here, I did want to kind of get your approach, maybe your perspective of of, of we're kind of local, we are local, we cover the team, we we cover cover the games that don't matter as well. And, and you're more of a broad expectation of what's your kind of like if you had to kind of pinpoint your top three takeaways from this team of like from the outside perspective of Kentucky like what, what would you go with their strengths and what's your overall takeaways how do you have any um, bold expectations of for them to go you know in, in the postseason is it too early what's your take from as more of a national media you cover more teams we just really cover Kentucky only uh, what's your kind of take on that
5: I think that when they get going Kentucky's as dangerous as anybody in college basketball I think that you see it with what they shoot from three I think you see it with where their turnover percentages are. I think you see it with the offense they run and how difficult they are to guard. I think you see it with how many guys they have out there that can go out and get you a bucket when you need a bucket, right? Like, if you are game planning for Kentucky right now and you have to figure out who the first person is you try to stop on this roster, like, I don't know who it is it's probably Antonio Reeves just because he's the one in this game at the start. But when they have Reeves out there with Shepard and Dillingham, like who, who who's, who's the, the go-to guy? Who are you trying to slow down? Who are you putting your worst defender on? Right. You got three perimeter players out there. You got three, those are the three Kentucky's guards. Who are you putting your worst perimeter defender on? Put them on Dillingham. You're putting them on Re Shepard, putting on Antonio Reeves. Like that there's, there's a lot of bad options there. So um, I think that's what makes them so dangerous. Uh, I think the key to Kentucky reaching their ceiling and being like final four good is two things. One, you got to get better defensively, right? Like if you go back and you watch that UNC Wilmington tape, basically what they did was they picked out the matchups they liked and they were able to get to those matchups and and create and, and win those matchups one-on-one. Sometimes it was in a ball screen when Trey Mitchell was – the five man sometimes it was attacking antonio reeves sometimes it was um you know attacking robert dillingham or dj Wagner. whatever it was like they found the matchups they liked and they went out there and they let their guys go win those matchups and for kentucky to be able to win six games in a row even four games in a row in the ncaa tournament like you can't have a stinker like that because there's going to be at some point in time when you don't hit shots Right, There's going to be one of those nights. If you're playing four games in a row, one of those nights, you're not going to shoot like 48% from three. You're not going to get one of those 13 for 30 nights. How do you win when that happens? Right? Are you able to win with your defense? And to me, that is um, one, getting Aaron Bradshaw back helps, and two, getting some of these freshmen to be like, what, what? what's the cliche, right? Like by the time the tournament comes around, freshmen are really sophomores, right? So if you have your freshmen guarding at a sophomore level, that sounds very weird to say, but... That To me, that is the most important thing Kentucky can do. And number two is making sure that your head coach does not revert back to being the guy that wants to play two bigs and pound the ball inside and and we're not seeing the same sets that he was running for like Deron Land back in 2012, right? Because there was a lot of that over the course of the last three years. Running the same offense, running the same sets, playing two bigs, trying to do what you were doing when you had Carl Anthony Towns um, and Willie Coley-Stein when you don't have Carl Anthony Towns and Willie Cauley-Stein. So um, to me, that's the two things. Keep playing this like modern brand of basketball that is fun and makes you really damn good and be able to do what you're doing right now and just bring the defense up as opposed to changing what you're doing because you're worried about what you are defensively. Does that make sense? Yeah, complete
1: complete sense. And, and the thing with Cal is uh, he is a type to revert back to his old ways pretty quickly as soon as it quits working. Uh, the only thing that would make me say that he i'm i'm thinking that he won't this year and i'm not even confident in that i'm just giving him some credit is that his thing he's been saying all year long he's a guy that likes to repeat himself every single time we get a chance to talk to him the same same quote same things is that um, this year he's got the personnel to play modern basketball he he often says that last year he couldn't do that and because he didn't have the guys that could play that type, type of basketball and he knows this is his bread and butter this is the type of team he he went out and got those freshmen elite from freshman to play modern basketball with so that gives me hope that he won't revert back to those ways but you know if if the shots and three points aren't falling and and we're not playing efficient basketball I do think there is a chance that he could revert but in my argument of if things aren't falling and and your shots aren't falling I think what you do is you we've got guys that can go off the dribble and get a basket DJ Wagner Rob Dillingham give it to one of those guys let them work uh, will Cal do that? I don't know. He is a guy that reverts to his old ways. And, uh,
5: well, that, I mean, that's the thing. If you're playing, if you're playing that like four round one, if you're playing that five out, if you're playing that modern style where your big man is Trey Mitchell or Aaron Bradshaw and you have him at the top of the key and you run a DHO's, you're able to dribble, dribble handoffs, and um, you're doing all this creative stuff to be able to get guys in space, like that's the natural byproduct, right? When you have four guys that can shoot and your five man's at the top of the key then you're going to have all of that space in and around the basket for DJ Wagner to go make something happen. And it's just going to happen naturally in the offense. And uh, as you put more big guys on the floor, as you put more people on the floor that aren't able to shoot, that's where the space becomes constricted. That's where, you know, when you have Severe Wheeler and Oscar Sheway on the court at the same time, and then you're asking these guys to go create something, like there's just no space in the lane where you want them to go. They're running into Shibway. They're running into Shibue's man. They're running into the guy that's helping off a of severe Wheeler. They're running into like nine different guys in the paint. There's no watch. Watch their offense. Watch when they're set up. And Trey Mitchell has the ball at the top of the key. There's literally nobody in the paint, right? So yeah. if you're DJ Wagner, all you got to do is get by your guy and you got to lay him. And how many guys in college basketball are going to be able to stay in front of DJ Wagner? And the thing there's, is, that there's some. There's not a. There's not a lot. There's some, but there's not a lot. So. Like, that's, that's my thing. You got all these creative dudes. You got all these guards that are fun, all these athletes. Like, give them space and let them give them room to work. That's yeah. why the NBA is so – like, that's why you get 150-point games in the NBA because you just put a bunch of guys that can sh- shoot out there and they say, hey, look, you know what? Trey Young, he's really good. No one's going to be able to guard him. All right? LeBron James, he's really good. No one's going to be able to guard him. That's why you get all these scores. It just these guys, they let them go cook. Yeah, Kentucky's yeah. kind of got that, so let them cook
1: if DJ Wagner, if he's, if you let him cook and you put your best defender on him and if for some reason, he, it's either not working or he gets locked up. You've got Rob Dillingham. You've got uh, Antonio Reed. You've got Reed Shepard to shoot the three. Uh, you've got options. And I think Kentucky's strength is they're they're deep with a lot of elite talent. Uh, so I think going forward, you know, if that is the case, they have a lot of options, um, Trey Mitchell, I think we, we've seen a lot with him. They, they'll pull him out, like you just said, and they set that pick on DJ Wagner, and we've seen a lot of that. I think that's almost their go-to when things aren't working is Trey Mitchell pops up to the top, DJ Wagner's with the ball, and he comes off the pick, and you see what works. Either Trey Mitchell pops out for the three or DJ's going to the hole. The point you just mentioned about last year with, with Wheeler and Oscar, you couldn't do that, like you said, because Oscar clogged the lane. He could not be away from the rim or he wasn't effective, and Wheeler could not go get a bucket unless he was on a fast break layup. That was about his best route. So, you know, it was brutal, brutal to watch. Um, and, and thankfully they've got the players who can go do that this year. So it's promising. It's exciting. It's more modern basketball. We've not seen that. As you all know, it's been a miserable few years of Kentucky basketball. <laughs> and even outside of this little clunker with the UNC, UNC Wilmington, it's been uh, it's been a breath of fresh air. And Kaus, he's so far been changing some of his stubborn ways and accepting new modern basketball, playing with the team that he likes. Um, I just hope it stays that way, and I hope he doesn't revert. So that's kind of my. I pray that doesn't happen. But Cal has been known to do that for sure. So
5: Yeah, I don't think it'll happen this year. I think he's uh, he knows what he's got.
1: And this is, you know, before he got this class before the season started. I should say, a lot of fans. I now, I don't think he's done after this year for by any means. But a lot of fans' narrative was he's got his his recruitment class. You know, they should be good on paper. They are. They should be good when they get here you know, he's not won a title in over 10 years, you know, a lot of the fans got real, real kind of toxic with them. It's been pretty miserable and not people have not been happy with him for a long time. This could be his ride off to the sunset, sunset year, get a title and bounce out of here and figure out the, you know, the, the rebuild after him. I don't think that's going to happen, but like, it's not seemed like Kentucky's had a chance to go win a title in years, you know, arguably since some people want to say that 2020 year with Maxi and, and quickly, but we didn't have a tournament. So, you know, it's just point fingers. What could have happened? No one really knows. But the true test was that Fox and Bam year, you know, until UNC got him in the Elite Eight. But, um, you know, this is this is a year to do it. If, if Kentucky is going to go out and go get a championship, and I'm not claiming for them to, this is a year to go do it. If they don't, I don't know, you get another offseason of angry, toxic, and very toxic can be Kentucky fans. I'm sure you guys get to reap some of that online as <laughs> well.
5: Kentucky um, fans are toxic. They're angry.
1: No, come on. They can
5: be. They can be. Hey,
1: I'm not trying to make them mad. I, they're on our side, but they they, they can they can uh, start to cook up some stuff that um kind of
5: hey, man, look look. See, I, I I root for Philly teams. <laughs> I, I know I know all about angry fans. Um, I know all about how mad they can get. We booed Santa. Remember that? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I think we can all agree on. Uh, no one's worse than Tennessee fans. Um, did you see that graphic? <laughs> <laughs> did you see the graphic? Of, it showed the country of what uh, college basketball teams are viewed across the country and how many Kentucky were on. Do you know who who led the state of Tennessee? Kentucky.
5: Kentucky did? That's
1: Tennessee why. fans are obs- – I- I'm not trying to be biased. They are obsessed with Kentucky. They You should see them in our comment section on stuff that doesn't even concern them. It's, it's worse than Louisville. Like, Louisville doesn't care anymore. They know they're bad. Outside of the football game – we don't really hear much from mobile fans anymore because they're not good. They've accepted that Tennessee fans care about Kentucky sports and it's, it's all the negativity. And uh, I mean, we've seen stuff on our site in certain months, just drive. And it says, where is it coming from? The state of Tennessee. It's like, you can't, the numbers provide uh, support for all of that. So I don't know. I could talk about it all day long, but Tennessee fans are a different breed. And they're just, I, I can't stand them. I cannot. Hey
5: man, I'll tell you this though. The, the, i'm sure tennessee fans feel the same way about kentucky fans and that that level of rivalry is what makes college sports great that's why we love it that right there exactly but uh other than that man rob thanks for hopping on here and uh before we get
1: out of here um i know we want to get you back on here sometime we're going to throw some J- jeff on here as well <laughs> uh, so we'll try to get you guys on here we've got some other guests lined up as well and um and you got any last words before we hop on out here? I think it's about 10 30 tonight. So any last words from you,
5: Rob? No, I made my uh I made my official prediction with uh with Ben Roberts, who is I believe at the Lexington Herald. I think yep. he's a right writer there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kentucky 93, North Carolina 91. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening on okay. Saturday. So yeah, buckle perfect. up, man. Buckle so up. Have- it's gonna be it's gonna be a race. It's gonna be an F1 race.
1: That's so what we'd like to hear here. Well, Rob, well, we're gonna let you go, man. Thanks for hopping on here tonight we'll appreciate it man we'll
5: see you soon good to see you guys
1: anyway so i think we're gonna hop out of here and guys thank you all for watching please share this uh, again it's help it's what helps gets us out to more people we've got the youtube link we've got it's live on twitter um if you can just throw us a retweet share the link comment um anything that helps us share this you know our hard work gets put out to farther people so
6: other than that man i think that's all we will catch you all next the headlines remind us daily.